0: For most of us, death isn't something we want to think much about, at least until it hits us personally. Only after a loved one passes away do we have to confront the complex bureaucracies that control how the dead are cared for. For as long as humans have been around, we've had precise and elaborate rituals when it comes to caring for the dead. And on this week's Please Explain, we're discussing that long history with Thomas LeCur, a historian and professor at UC Berkeley. His latest book, The Work of the Dead, A Culture History of Mortal Remains, is published by Princeton University Press. I'm very pleased it has brought him to our show today. Hello. Hello you? I'm well Uh, and we invite our listeners to join in the conversation. You can give us a call at 212-433-9692 or write to us on our show page at WNYC.org or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. One of the questions that you pose at the uh, outset of your book is why do we care so much about the dead? Do you find it surprising that humans have always had complex rituals for caring for them?
1: Well you know it's you think I'd have a better answer than I'm going to give you. Um, I don't exactly find it surprising, uh, but I do find it surprising that humans care for the dead more or less independently of specific beliefs that they have about them. That is to say, people do have religious beliefs which dictate how they care for the dead, but even people without religious beliefs or even explicitly without religious beliefs like Marxists and ancient materialists care about the dead body and how it's treated. And that I think was a surprising finding to me.
0: Didn't all the ancient hominids, including the Neanderthals and the Denisovans, have burial rituals?
1: Well, we've just, as you know, as you just said, with the, these hominids were discovered to have had them only a few months ago. And Neanderthals have been thought for a while to have had these rituals, but only in the last year or two have we actually proven. Um, that they that they care for the dead. I and mean, we actually know that now pretty certain bestly. That is that we know there's one burial site that was really set up to carry care for the dead. So do I find it surprising? You know, it's one of these circular arguments. It's one of these things. If the Neanderthals must be humans because they cared for their dead, um, uh, so it, m- my sense is that that at least is that caring for the dead is a kind of um, this sort of transitional moment, the liminal moment, between hominids in nature and humans in culture. It's what we do to to live in time, to live with our ancestors, to live with those who come after us. So in some sense, I think one of the things that was most surprising to me is that there's this deep anthropological need uh, to care for the dead, to be human, um, and to make communities independently of beliefs, that is, many, many, many different beliefs or no beliefs, and we still care for the dead.
0: Well, can uh, some of the reasons be practical to avoid contamination? From the dead bodies, or is it usually religious or spiritual? Well,
1: that's an interesting question. I mean, I guess my argument would be um, that it's not primarily practical. So if we think about Neanderthal days, if we could imagine that, there must have been many more dead saber-toothed tigers and mastodons around than there were dead human bodies. And as far as we know, no one's burying saber-toothed tigers or mastodons.
0: Do any um, other animals bury their dead no, with rituals? No. I mean, not even, some, none of the primates?
1: Of evidence that. Elephants sort of cover them a little bit, Um, and the ancients thought that maybe ants do it. Um, They carry the dead out of, and we know now that termites carry dead bodies out of their colonies. But no other creature, um, no other creature, uh, makes tombs for its dead. And 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 people who thought on this subject since antiquity in the West and in other cultures think that somehow caring for the dead is, a, is an originary moment of, of, of humanity, just as a theoretical point. I mean, we care for the dead, and that makes us not animals.
0: The ancient Greek philosopher Diogenes makes a few appearances in this book. What was his take on
1: death? He's kind of the the, the guy against whom I argue the kind of um, if you want to call it the, the light motif of the book. So Diogenes' students say, so what you do with your dead body? And he said, look, just toss it over the walls. And they're um, they're they're appalled by this idea because needless to say, uh, being t- not being buried properly was anathema in ancient in in in, in ancient. Uh, Greece I mean the Antigone you know, the greatest Greek tragedy maybe is all about the, you know the sister that demands the barrier brothers so this was an outrageous thing to say and 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 they said well we can't we can't do that and he says you'll be eaten by the beasts and and the and by birds and he says okay okay I get the point so give me a stick and I can beat away the the birds and the beasts if they would disturb my dead body and they said but you <laughs> it makes no difference So
0: everyone but they says, thought he was crazy didn't they, they
1: he, was he was so fond of and masturbating of in public was, you know a version of socrates gone mad they thought he was crazy but a lot of people after the including very important people montaigne and and uh, and and uh, saint augustine and uh, all sorts of important people have said well it's right look the dead body just a dead body and um dust dust and it's amount of human cultural history is written into this phrase. Yes, that's right except for or but. No one has been able to live no culture that we know of has been able to live with the idea of the dead body being just detritus, just stuff to throw in the fields. Where did it the just,
0: the complicated Greek mytho- mythologically based religion come into the rituals for their dead? Yes,
1: they do. Um, so, I mean, they, 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 you're absolutely right um it's not so much cremation versus not cremation because we now know that the, the greeks in 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 homer uh, uh cremated i mean uh, Achilles wants to cremate the body of Patroclus, but the the Greeks in the Antigone buried Antigone wants to bury her brother so it 's not so much the burial versus cremation but not being properly buried in some sense. Condemned the soul they believe to endless wandering, to the to not being able to cross the river Styx um, into the land of the dead, into 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 uh, Elysium, and so um, and so yes, not being it, it doomed the soul to eternal wandering. Now the interesting thing to me about this is that St. Augustine, you know, one of the great church fathers, um, argued that you know that's why we Christians. Um, are superior to the Greeks. Uh, it's not like in the Aeneid, he says, in which it matters where your where your body is buried. We Christians, um, we Christians can be will be resurrected, whatever we do with our bodies. So our martyrs in southern France, their bodies are, are destroyed by the by their tormentors, and then they're eaten by the lions, and the lions are eaten by dogs, and the dogs are burnt, and the dogs' bodies get thrown into the Rhone. And yet our God will resurrect these bodies from the ashes. So we don't care. On the other hand, Augustine was at the very beginning of a cult of saints. It mattered a lot to be buried next to a saint's body. And the whole story of churchyards and the Christian geography of the dead grew out of the fact that Christians want to be buried next to martyrs, next to saints. So it matters again, even though theologically it doesn't matter.
0: And in so- some religions, you, uh, you can't be cremated, uh, or you, they forbid cremation. Others have funeral pyres.
1: Right, some re- and, and, and some religions don't care until it becomes a threat, so Catholics were generally against cremation, were generally not against cremation, they had no thought on the subjects, because there was essentially no cremation in Europe between the, about the 3rd century and the 19th century, and then when it came in the 19th century, it came in explicitly as anti-clerical materialist, and then the church develops a doctrine against it, but theologically it doesn't make a difference what happens to your body. I'm speaking you know, with the ancient rabbis. Didn't care that much about cremation uh, or not. There are evidence, archaeological evidence, of Jews who were cremated in antiquity. But now it becomes it's a much bigger story, and and I mean I could tell you why it becomes a bigger story. But all of it is, is situational. In other words, we do this and they do that. It's it's about civilizational change and about cultural change.
0: And Orthodox Jews can't be buried if they have a tattoo.
1: Well, that's right, but that's, I mean, I'm no expert on this, but my guess is that that's, that may have an ancient origin because tattooing had a certain Christian slave-of-God quality to it. It came from ancient markings of slaves, but my sense is it's post-Auschwitz, but I'm, I wouldn't, I'm not an expert on this. My guess is... I know is... that my Jewish friends now find, my progressive liberal friends find tattooing awful, and I think it grows out of uh, the, the the meaning of tattoos uh from the holocaust
0: well I, I suspect we have listeners who probably will know the answer to that and they'll probably give us a call i'll never hear us i'm 212. sure
1: will know the answer <laughs> we have,
0: i'm always corrected on theology when we get into these areas on this show Two one two four three three nine six nine two is and the it, number it's to call
1: also true that all jews have different views on the subject so it's, it's not we'd be correct that we'll just be giving it another view
0: you can also write to us on our show page at WNYC.org or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is Leonard, at Leonard Lopate. My guest is Thomas W. LeCur, the Helen Fawcett Professor of History at the University of California, Berkeley. His latest book, The Work of the Dead, A Cultural History of Mortal Remains, it is published by Princeton University Press. Um, The Buddhists, uh, one of the tenets of Buddhism is that the body is irrelevant. Does that belief affect the way Buddhists have historically cared for the dead?
1: They do care for the dead, and Buddhists, contrary to what you would think they would do, have shrines for the dead. I mean, not every form of Buddhism is the same, needless to say, but there are schools of Buddhism in which there are shrines for the dead, just as there are in Christianity, just as there are in some... Some uh, aspect, some J- Jewish uh, communities, so even though the body doesn 't matter, it ends up mattering a lot and Of course, in Islam, Muhammad uh, wrote against the idea of venerating the dead body, and very quickly, um, very quickly, uh, there came to be Islamic shrines for dead everywhere so it 's a very hard thing. We, we seem to be culturally i don't want to say hardwired but the idea of of making the special dead central to our community seems to be very hard to resist
0: don't the zoroastrians have sky graves what are those they
1: do the zoroastrians put the bodies out and have them eaten by the birds which releases the um the soul
0: and native americans have, did something similar or some native some, american did Some tribes.
1: native americans leave the leave bodies out uh, um Tibetan Buddhists also have bought, leave bodies out. I mean there are all sorts of different uh, different rituals and i, I don 't try to speak about and i don 't know about all these different rituals, but no community, as far as I know um, just throws the bodies out. so when the Zoroastrians leave them to the birds, they don 't just leave them anywhere they leave them as you just said on these in these sort of towers, and they 're guarded by sort of dogs which which have a particular sacral function and so um, it's, they're not tossed away.
0: Some of the but, rituals can be problematic. Hasn't the ritual of the washing of the dead been a cause of the spread of Ebola in Central Africa?
1: That's absolutely right. And and as you probably read, um, the the people who were charged with with burning the bodies in this in this crisis are now, which was a which was a. a act thought to be sort of sacrilegious and, and 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 kind of contrary to everything that in this culture these people are now sort of shunned because they to participate in this absolutely but it's but, but let me just add to that that it's very few diseases that are spread by dead bodies so the the, the worry the notion that dead bodies spread disease is it's far more about cultural pollution than about actually spreading disease.
0: Even if they're left for long periods of time? They I always thought typhus I mean, was the, the, the connected
1: thing, The line it. that you read in the medical literature is that any thousand dead bodies are safer than any thousand live bodies. Huh. So I can give you exceptions. There's certain sorts of TB that are spread by dead bodies, and especially if you push on them and they aspirate, the, 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 the bacteria come out. But in general, a dead bodies are less likely to spread disease than live bodies, especially infectious diseases.
0: We're taking calls during this segment. Our number here is 212-433-9692. And Bill from Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, you're on the air.
2: Well, hi, Leonard. How are you doing? I'd like to answer your quest, uh, You guess a question about the term dead ringer. Oh, now, gosh. does that refer to the 19th century safety
1: coffins? And, well, um, I don't, I, I don't know that. You're absolutely right. There is a 19th century, in the late 18th century, there came to be this fear of premature burial. And as you say, people invented these coffins that had little bell, little cord connected to a bell on the surface, right. so if we were buried early, it's, you, it's called taphophobia, the fear of being buried alive. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And I don't, and it's, I know when it starts. Because there's a, uh, there's pretty, we can date this pretty precisely, and and it starts in the middle sort of the 1740s, and mm-hmm. um, and but I don't I don't know where Dead Ringer comes from. It's an it's an interesting question. Maybe one of your other listeners will know the answer.
0: And we thank you know. for your call. <clears throat> and That's let's really hope good, that somebody out there d- does know. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> Karl Marx's grave in London. Wasn't there a fight for his ashes by several countries? But well, then his grave has pretty- been attacked.
1: Well, there was a fight for his, his his body. There was the the ashes were his daughter, Eleanor's ashes, that were being fought over. So his the Russians wanted to get his body after the revolution and the British wouldn't hand it over because they couldn't find a relative of Marx who so would give them permission. And then in nineteen fifty five, uh, the Marx Library, it is said with money from the Chinese, but I've never been able to nail that down. But certainly the Marx the, the, the library. <laughs> Uh, got permission um, from a distant relative to move Marx's body from its obscure grave in Highgate to this very, very very prominent grave at the high point of, of, of Highgate Cemetery, which is one of the most famous and beautiful of the London cemeteries, and built, I think, a rather hideous monument to him. And after that, um, the comrades from all over the world came to be buried around him. So I imagine that if someone, archaeologists were to dig this up in 500 or 1,000 years, they would ask, what kind of a saint is this, mm-hmm. uh, Marx, around whom all these other bodies are buried? But it's, that's what I, I think is so curious, in the sense that Marx himself wrote his thesis on an ancient philosopher in Epicurus, and Epicurus was one of the great ancient materialists, and he wrote specifically about um, the non-existence of the dead. He, he wrote that when you when you die, your body, the atoms just become regular atoms again and have no relation to you, and they'll never come back together. And so Marx, had a, as a student, had an interest in this materialist notion: the body is nothing. And later Marxists would certainly hold the same thing. And then here you have it, a shrine to Karl Marx. An important recent Marxist historian spent a lot of money buying plots. Next to Karl Marx's grave, I found that rather both touching and curious, and well, that's what I mean. You know,
0: isn't yeah. there more irony in the fact that Lenin and Stalin's bodies were preserved and put in mausoleum, well, put in
1: whatever buildings? Sure. Uh, and Red Square yeah, totally it was kind right. of like
0: what the Egyptians did. Total,
1: well, or what they become sort of the the sacral body of the Commonwealth, and and um you know, like the king's body represented in the old regime. Absolutely, it's strange. And But that's what I think is so puzzling about this. And when you, if you were to ask a Marxist, say like Eric Hobsbawm, the greatest Marxist historian of the 20th century, about why you wouldn't want to be buried next to Marx, I think he would quickly start waving his arms. I think there is no coherent answer within this, if you will, this, I, this way of looking at the world. And yet, and yet the dead body represents this important maker of communities being ashes being near ashes matters in a way that's. i i think of it as a kind of if you want to call it a magic we can believe in or a secular magic or an anthropological magic it just we believe it and and when pushed we can't give a theological or philosophical answer to it. Unfortunately,
0: Eric Eric Hobsbawm is no longer with us. I'm now regretting that I didn't think to ask him that question when he was a guest on our show. Did
1: you you interview him?
0: Yeah, well, obviously, before he died. Thomas W. LeCur. Well, not
1: so obviously. There's spiritualist (laughs) interviews, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) Yes, we've done a fair number of shows with Ouija boards. Thomas W. LeCur's book, Uh, The subject of today's Please Explain is The Work of the Dead, A Cultural History of Mortal Remains. We're inviting your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WNYC.org or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. And we'll be back with more right after this. We're back with Thomas W. Lequeur on today's Please Explain His Book, The Work of the Dead A Cultural History of Mortal Remains, published by Princeton University Press. And we are taking your calls at 212 433 9692. You can write to us on our show page at wnyc.org or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. And let's go to Rabbi Mark Biller uh, from Verona, New Jersey. Is it Biller?
2: Yes. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Good. Good. Um, there was a comment earlier that uh, about Jews being buried with tattoos, and it may be because of post-Holocaust. Yes. Um, it's actually the, the reverse. The there's um, the the Torah, the Bible prohibits tattoos because it's a desecration of the human body. Uh, Nazis specifically tattooed Jews as a kind of extra insult, knowing it was something forbidden to Jews. So so the reasons from the Torah. Um, And the second piece, there was a belief that Jews with tattoos cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery, but it's not actually Jewish law, and people with tattoos are buried in Jewish cemeteries. I
0: I got that information from Lenny Bruce, not necessarily the best source of Jewish (laughs) theological thinking, but he used to talk about how he couldn't be buried in a Jewish cemetery because he'd been tattooed when he was in the Navy.
1: That's pretty funny, yeah. That's great. Yeah, well, there's also the version that, that in the late 19th and early 20th century, Reformed Jews were, were, were cremated in far higher proportions than the populations in general as a sort of sign of modernity, and many rabbis refused to bury them in Jewish uh, cemeteries, and there were great disputes about this, and I think there's actually no, there's no Jewish law that you can't bury cremated remains. I think it just wasn't done. Is that correct, Rabbi?
2: But not done as a way to try to persuade people not to not to do it not to uh, not to do it at all. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thank yeah, you for and, calling. And
2: possibly the same with uh, tattoos. It also used to be believed that suicides couldn't be buried in a Jewish exactly. cemetery. That's, true that's Christians
0: as well, now. of course. Yeah. Thank you for calling us.
2: Okay. My pleasure. I love your show. Thank you.
0: And Ron from Lindbrook, you have an answer about dead ringer.
2: Yeah, dead ringer. They needed space in the uh, cemetery, so they would big. Pick up the uh, coffins, go into the boxes, and notice that there were scratch marks on the lid, so they were still alive. So what they did was, when they buried someone, they put uh, a string around his wrist and a bell above the ground. And if it moved, that's where you got the word graveyard ship. Somebody would be listening for the bell. Ah. Plus the fact that they went into the this, 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 uh, coffins because. The bones were valuable, and they needed laughs, and they would sell the bones. When they saw the lids of the coffers, they saw there were scratch marks, but they were still alive. So that's why you got the term graveyard ship, saved by the bell, and dead ringer.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, Ron. I hope that all of that is true, because it sounds wonderful.
2: It sounds great. (laughs) Now,
0: let's get back to your book. Uh, When did the preservation of bodies as a ritual begin?
1: Well, that's a really interesting question. Well, I mean, as you know, um, the the Egyptians were the first great masters of embalming. Um,
0: but didn't then, it occur even oh, before them?
1: You know, that, I, that's a very good question. I I don't I haven't come up with any evidence of embalming before the Egyptians. But then we don't we don't hear of embalming with the Greeks. We hear of embalming in the Middle Ages when when. Um, for example on the Crusades a heart might be embalmed and brought back home and a body part might be embalmed and brought back
0: and, home and so a listener Patrick from on Twitter wondered about that because he said uh, when did that they start separating and burying people's body parts well, Chopin is, a, is in France but his heart is in Warsaw
1: I know the I know the answer well when they you're absolutely right um, it, well the two so that's an interesting really interesting question um, so let me just Bombing really became important first in the United States, and it was a deal with bodies from the Civil War. In other words, families wanted to re- recover bodies that, uh, that had been killed in the battles of the Civil War. And so, in bombing technology develops, really um, in the 1860s, and 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 then develops. In the United States, and so in the United States, embalming was much more common um, than it was in, in in Europe. Now, of course, there's special embalmed bodies like Lenin's body and so forth. But in general, embalming begins in in this country, in, in, in the United States, and, and 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 spreads um and spreads um it spreads elsewhere. So then there's the body part story. Well, um the part of the body part story is is the Roman Catholic Cult of relics, so that bodies of saints would be divided up, so that someone got a finger and someone got a leg bone and someone got the arm of Saint John and um, and 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 the Baptist, the arm that had baptized Christ, and so that's where it begins. But and then that that tradition continues on. But in modern times, in modern times, as your as your caller or your tweeter points out. Um, uh, bodies were also divided, um, and especially bodies were divided in cases where people um were in exile, for example, one part of the body might stay with Paris and the other part goes to goes to um uh goes to uh, to warsaw so so the division of bodies is in some sense also the an issue not just of sacrality but of uh, of exile
0: now uh, people were often buried. Uh, in plots next to the the church, um, and uh, I'm I'm Absolutely curious about a number of things West. about that whole thing about churchyards and then tombstones. But also, when did that change and cemeteries develop?
1: Well, it's, a, it's an interesting question. So, so let me just roughly speaking, the churchyard comes into being um, with with the rise of the church, um, and that's depending on where you are between the. 4th and the 9th or 10th century.
0: So that would be all, all across Europe?
1: All across Europe. I mean, it's first, of course, where in southern France, parts of Italy, parts of Spain, where Christianity begins. In Britain, it's probably most parishes didn't have churches till the 9th or the 10th century. In German lands, which were conquered by Charlemagne, it took longer. But basically, um, basically, um, the the church um, bec- is, it becomes the community of the living Christians and the churchyard is the community of its dead and basically the only place to be decently buried from let's make roughly speaking the 8th and 9th century to the 19th century is in the churchyard all over europe um you're broadly construed i mean that's true eastern christianity too so you're buried um
0: and that applied to protestants as well as as catholics and and orthodox
1: let me just Really interesting question. So you'd think with the Protestants saying, "Who cares?" They wouldn't be buried in churchyards church anymore. So Luther famously said, oh, "I don't care; just bury me in a meadow somewhere." Um, but it didn't happen. Luther was buried in a churchyard, and nothing as and nothing happens with where Protestants are buried after the Reformation. They're buried in Christian ch- Catholic churches. Became Protestant, kept the churchyards. People are buried facing east. People are buried under the altar. Even in these Dutch Calvinist churches where they cleaned out all the altars and took down all the paintings and are hardcore reformers, if you look at these 17th century paintings, you'll see that the burials in these these churches are still where the altar had been. So nothing changes with the Protestants. So what happens is that in the 18th century, um, with the rise of of if, um, plural, religious pluralism in countries like Britain, where there are people of different religious denominations, uh, in France, where the, where the Enlightenment produces anti-clerical people, people famous philosophes who, who in some sense made their life, their reputations as Voltaire did, as enemies of the Church. When they come to die, um, there's a gigantic controversy about where they should be buried. I mean, Voltaire's where Voltaire we buried it became 50 pamphlets were written on this the subject of the church refused to bury him finally he did get buried through various vaccinations in a churchyard so it became the churchyard became exclusively for christians and of christians of a certain sort so protestants couldn't be buried in in france for example or in portugal so the church but so it the churchyard then is the community of the parish of Christians of a certain sort it's controlled by the clergy not by family it's controlled by the clergy and it belongs to this christian community the cemetery on the other hand is a public space it's cosmopolitan it belongs to anyone who buys a plot or anyone in that in that area and so when you build a cemetery it can be used for anyone and can mean pretty much anything, so it becomes a whole different kind of community it's not around the church. the body is not oriented or oriented east and west um, it's a, It's a park it's a whole different kind of space, and then they become places where you can commemorate different political communities, different religious communities, different volunteeristic communities like masons so it's, it becomes it's a real new place for the dead and the first cemetery is Pere Lachaise. Um, In the early 19th century In France And that's copied all over the western world And the colonial world
0: Now we don't have much time But I want to ask you about one other thing Uh, Mass graves can be found all over the world uh, In uh, societies where Even where they care much for their dead Why is the desecration of the dead Something that seems to appeal To so many people When
1: they're involved with war? Oh, that's interesting. I mean I I think it's 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 sort of it's really the 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 the, the other side the evil doppelganger if you think of proper burial. So if you think about it this way if if being buried properly is being incorporated into the human community through time desecrating graves becomes a way of disrupting that community. So it, be it French revolutionaries disrupting the graves of in Paris. There are many monuments in which people have collected ashes from Treblinka and Auschwitz and places and put them in a monument at Père Lachaise to say, look, they are incorporated into the community of the living. They but are a part of our world.
0: It, but even the, the nature of the monument can become an issue. The Vietnam uh, Memorial uh, which many people venerate today was very controversial when it was, it was originally it put in it
1: shape because it wasn't monumental. But it grew out of World War One monuments, where 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 naming the dead becomes so crucial, and that's a very modern, these very modern thing. These monuments with names, but that's a little different. The erasure of names was was more common, as more matter of fact because. We didn't know the names of most people buried in churchyards. There were relatively few tombstones, but desecrating a churchyard, tearing up a churchyard, throwing a body somewhere in a ditch um, was desecration. So Voltaire, whom I mentioned earlier, as a young man, led a campaign against um, the, 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 the desecration of the body of an actress that he very much admired, um, and, and all his life feared being just tossed into a ditch. Because that really is an exclusion. So if you, take, if you take my argument that being buried in an important, decently is inclusion in the human community, the desecration, the posthumous desecration, is an important way of excluding someone from the community. So I think that's why cemetery desecration is such, it's so violent and so horrible. It really is saying you will eternally be not in this community.
0: Thomas W. LeCur is the Helen Fawcett... Professor of History at the University of California, Berkeley. Uh, His book, The Work of the Dead, A Cultural History of Mortal Remains, is published by Princeton University Press. Thank you so much for being on today's Please Explain.
1: Thank you so much for asking me, It was a pleasure.